You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me is always my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Happy opening training camp day. What a sight it was to see the 12s back on the berm. I know the players were loving it, having their loyal fans screaming and supporting them on the practice field today. It definitely felt like pre-2020, at least in most aspects. You still saw people in masks, and obviously we're not completely out of this pandemic, but it was a sight to behold. And and really, after everything everybody went through last year, just being able to bring fans back, it gets you really pumped up for the 2021 season. NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Carolus will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. I just mentioned, Rob, how exciting it was to be able to get fans back to the VMAC for the first day of training camp, more than a year since fans were able to watch their Seahawks in person. Unfortunately, though, not all of the news today was good. It was not all positive. Shortly before their first practice kicked off, the Seahawks announced that they had placed receiver Dwayne Eskridge as well as running back Travis Homer on the physically unable to perform list. This indicates they both failed their physicals, and for now, they're not allowed to practice. They also put Pierre-Olivier Lestage, the undrafted rookie out of Montreal University, on the non-football injury list. He's still recovering from sports hernia surgery. Obviously, of those three, one injury stands out above the rest, and that's Eskridge. We know the issues the Seahawks have had with high draft picks suffering injuries before or during training camp during their rookie seasons, and here we are again. Now, it does sound like this is a situation where they're erring on the side of caution. Pete Carroll did say that he's feeling pretty good, They just didn't think he was in good enough shape to be able to go based on the fact that he's been rehabbing this big toe injury that he's been dealing with since early in OTAs. But the fact that we're now six weeks after the end of mandatory minicamp and this is still an issue makes this a bit more ominous than what it was six weeks ago. Yeah, Corbin, it spooked me. And I wonder if the all those fans who were running up through the – through the the field and up the berm uh, as Blitz, the Seahawks mascot, of course, kind of opened up the gate and let let fans in the berm to be able to watch practice for the first time in two years. I wonder if they would have run as aggressively and as enthusiastically if they had known that for the fifth year in a row that one of the Seahawks' top draft picks would, would be entering training camp with some type of injury issue, and that's exactly the issue here with Dwayne Eskridge. And, you know, it is the toe issue, and I, I, I wish I could echo your sentiments on that as far as not being very concerned, but Pete Carroll said a week to two weeks right off the bat, and this is the eternally optimistic Pete Carroll, in the, in just in his initial kind of description of, of when he expects Dwayne Eskridge to come back 
uh, you know, and be available. So that that is a little concerning to me. We we talked about that a little bit yesterday, with of course, and in the last couple of days, with with Seattle signing of a similarly talented, similarly built Doris Roberson uh, among the thirteen wide receivers that the Seahawks have on their roster, and you know that that is the the, the deepest, and in in many ways, I think one of the most talented positional groups that this roster has. So I think that the Seahawks are in perfect position to be able to handle that. But we, we know what a what a big time talent Dwayne Eskridge is. We we know the fact that the Seahawks have had just been stung so many years now. It seems like with their with their top draft picks uh, missing time, or at least among their top draft picks missing time. Um, and, and so that's the thing is that does Seattle have somebody else who might be able to replace the the production that was expected of Dwayne Eskridge if this is going to drag into uh, a little bit longer time? I, I guess this is where some red flags were raised with me. One of the other reporters asked Pete Carroll if this was similar to a situation like we saw with Philip Dorsett last year, where it seemed like this was an injury he's eventually going to bounce back from. He was dealing with foot problems during the middle of training camp and ended up eventually having surgery midway through the season and didn't play a single snap for the team. He's now playing for Jacksonville. And so the fact that Carroll said in that case it is kind of similar and that we have to be careful here. That kind of caught me off guard a little bit right there because it's like, well, that's a cautionary tale. So I would hedge bets here that they are going to be as cautious as possible here to ensure that whatever's going on with this big toe, it sounds like he's made progress and that he's getting close, but you don't want to bring him back at 95% and risk potentially re-injuring that toe because then you could have yourself an issue that's going to last throughout the season you don't want to have that with your top draft pick especially in a year where you only had three draft picks to begin with so they've got to get him to the point where he's not having soreness they got to get him to the point where he's able to work back into shape so that he can handle training camp practices and so putting him on the pup list it does give them the flexibility to be able to wait this out a little bit and hope that he's going to get better As for Travis Homer, his situation sounds a little bit more complicated. He's re-aggravated his calf injury a couple times during the offseason, according to Carroll. And he said he's in outstanding shape. He's itching to play. But this is another instance where the Seahawks are going to air caution early in training camp. and They're not going to rush him back. This definitely seems like something that they're going to have to be a bit more patient with. I have had a torn calf muscle before, and I can tell you, that that is one of those injuries until it is truly 100% healthy, you are always open to re-aggravating it. If you come back too quick, you can feel really good. And then all it takes is landing a certain way or cutting a certain way and you can re-injure it. And then you have to reset your clock. So that is one that's going to be kind of a slippery slope for the Seahawks as well. And he's a player that they're counting on to compete in that third down back role competition. So both these players, they're hoping to get back. But again, the main point I want to make here is they are not going to be rushing either one of them back because ultimately you want to have both those players available for week one. Yeah, absolutely. I think both those points are are, are really good ones. I, I think that when you make the comparison between, uh, say, the, the injury to Philip Dorsett a year ago and and Dwayne Eskridge, I mean, yeah, it's convenient because obviously they were they were leg injuries. We're talking about speed receivers, speed receivers, just by almost by their very definition. I mean, they they are they're high maintenance. I mean, they're they're almost like sports cars, you know. And then you have to take care of them and make sure 
sure that they're operating at full capacity for them to hit that that absolute RPM. And, and that's what you have here with Dwayne Eskridge. And so I understand that comparison to Philip Dorsett. I also think that it's compared that it's comparable to, to Daryl Taylor a year ago. And that I, I think that obviously this is a, a a player that the Seahawks have have put a lot of um, you know a, a lot of their assets into and this is also a really talented player and so if the Seahawks were to lose Dwayne Eskridge for a significant amount of time I think that it would sting just the way that it did a year ago with, with Daryl Taylor and, and so I don't think that that's going to necessarily going to happen I think that, uh, that, that Dwayne Eskridge is going to come back just fine but the way that that, that Pete Carroll kind of articulated to come out with the, the initial part of his training camp uh, descriptions, I, I thought was a little bit less optimistic than we're used to. And, and so that was a little concerning. And I don't want to lose too much or talk too much about Eskridge. I think that it's important that we talked about with Homer. This is absolutely critical for him to be missing any kind of time with, with Rashad Penny. We're going to talk about him a little bit more from some of our takeaways, but it sounds like that or that running back room is going to be that much more gifted and healthier than we anticipate with the exclusion of Travis Homer. So it's going to be that much more important for him to get back onto the field. But because he has already done it for a year and a half, Corbin, then he does have a little bit of time. He he does have enough time. I think it is important to know, as you did, that to take care of that calf and to make sure that when we actually get into the preseason games, when you know defenders are going to be able to take you down to the ground if they can, then that's where Travis Homer has to shine. He has to has to absolutely be spectacular during those preseason games and not during this time. So. It is kind of compelling information that we're getting here from the Seahawks and that with Eskridge, with Travis Homer, both being out. And then meanwhile, Ethan Posick, on the other hand, sitting out but not being on the pup list. To me, that's significant information as well. Yeah, you mentioned Posick. He sat out with a hamstring injury. They did have him going through walkthroughs. That was another one that just looks to me like they are really just being cautious because it's July 28th. It's still very early in the game. You want to have your starting center available. They didn't make any big additions at that position. You want him available in week one. So I wouldn't panic about that injury. Uh, the other two, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I'm optimistic that Eskridge is going to be back in a week or so based on what I've been told and listening to what Carol said. But again, they're not going to rush him back. If they have to hold out another week, then they'll hold out another week. They want to get him back when he's 100% healthy so that he can make the most of the practices that he does have going into his first regular season in the NFL. When we come back in the second quarter, we're going to discuss takeaways from day one at Seahawks training camp, an exciting day at the VMAC. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith, 
Joining me as always, Rob Rang, the first day of training camp here in 2021 at the VMAC. And it was quite a sight being able to see the 12s on the berm cheering on their Seahawks. Didn't get the chance to do that last year because of the pandemic. So even though we are still in the middle of that health crisis to an extent, it's nice to see some semblance of normalcy coming back. And there's a lot to talk about, even though these practices, these first couple training camp practices are basically OTAs just happening in late July, early August. They're trying to build these guys up to getting into pads and working towards games. There's still a lot that happened today that's worth discussing. First thing I think we need to hit on here, Alden Smith making his Seahawks debut, sporting number 99. There were questions about whether or not he was going to be ready to be able to participate in drill work. He was not in good enough shape to participate in mandatory minicamp, but He looked outstanding today, and Pete Carroll made it clear. He has put in a lot of work, and Carlos Dunlap, his teammate, indicated that he's been asking all the right questions, trying to learn the scheme, doing things that he needs to do. And this really gives the Seahawks incredible depth, and Dunlap was emphasizing that today. I asked him straight up, you know, you've got almost everybody coming back from last year's group that led the league in sacks the last nine weeks of the year. And then you you add Kerry Hyder, you add Alden Smith, and you just see him out there. Normally, Carlos Dunlap kind of looks like a unicorn, like a unicorn compared to the rest of the Seahawks defensive ends. That was not the case today with big number 99 out there. And we've talked about it time and time again. Obviously, he's got his legal issues still hovering over him. We don't know what's going to happen when his arraignment happens later this month or if it gets postponed again for now, he's allowed to practice, but he's such an incredible talent for his size. And it's amazing. He missed four seasons because it doesn't look like it on the field, his burst dropping back into coverage, a guy that size, he looks natural doing so. And so again, it just paints the picture. What kind of depth we're talking about. It's just strange saying defensive end is a position of strength, but that's exactly what it is for this year's Seahawks squad. And Alden Smith makes it just that much better if he can play. The the way that you describe it, Corbin, is is really interesting. And I I think that, uh, you know, I'm going to just say it like this. I mean, if you look at the Seahawks roster, the guys who are coming off the bus first, that's kind of the way that, you know, some of the scouting kind of community used to describe it is like, who are the guys that you want walking off the bus very, very first. And just to kind of lay that impression, just like this is established that this is who we are. And I think that you have to look at number 14, obviously, and DK Metcalf. I'm just a physical freak, but then you have the newly or quote unquote new number eight, Carlos Dunlap, who's just a physical freak. And then, yeah, Alden Smith, number 99. I mean, those three guys just look different than everybody else. I mean, they are just physical freaks. I mean, they're just the broad shoulders, the long arms, the the tapered physiques, the guys who are just so physically built and so physically talented that, you know, they're just every scout looks at them like these guys could be difference makers. And for the two of them to be edge rushers, I want them to be a wide receiver just says how unique, of course, the DK Metcalf is. But again, going, going back to Alden Smith, going back to Carlos Dunlap. I mean, I, that to me, that, that is one of the things that is so exciting about this. And with Alden Smith, I mean, it was it's interesting. I, I had a, a perspective that you didn't, of course, Corbin, you were, you were there 
uh, at training camp. And I was watching on Seahawks, uh, you know, Facebook feed and their live, uh, the live feed off the, the website, Seahawks.com. And I thought that uh, they, their analysts did a, a terrific job. And one of the things that they kind of pointed out was the, was the uh, one moment where Alden Smith was working with Aaron Curry and uh, you know, and the, the former Seahawks draft pick and obviously now as a positional coach was kind of, you know, working with done uh, working with Alden Smith and kind of, you know, ask him to kind of perfect a technique, a technique. And, and Smith is so long, so strong. I mean, he was able to dominate the dominate the rep beforehand, but uh, you know, it, it was just a really impressive display of Smith working at his craft and also demonstrating his talent. Pete Carroll talked about it in the, in the post-practice press conference about how excited he was to kind of watch Alden Smith's practice reps that was one of the reps I promise you that he's going to be looking at. And I think it's one of the real, uh, you know, wild cards and one of the exciting aspects of this opening of training camp for the Seahawks this year. And I can tell you somebody else that would have lit up Pete Carroll's face based on the things that were said in that press conference. That's DJ Dallas. And we've talked about that third down running back competition a couple times in recent weeks. And now obviously Travis Homer not being on the field for an indefinite amount of time, being on the pup list. DJ Dallas has an opportunity now to be able to seize that role. And it's just one training camp practice. But the one thing that you and I have both agreed on that is lacking in his game, we didn't see it last year when he had the couple games that he got to start in place of Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. You can see a running back that, that's got really good hands out of the backfield. He is normally good in pass protection. He had some issues with that last year, but that's normally his strength in his game. He's got good wiggle for a short, stockier running back. But we, we questioned the burst, the explosiveness. He had a touchdown run in today's practice, and I know they're not tackling yet. They're not in pads, but he made a filthy move in the, or at the second level where – he made a linebacker take a terrible angle, and then he cut, and then he's gone. It was the type of burst that we did not see from him as a rookie. And so that is something he has clearly worked on. I saw a couple other runs today where it's like, that just looks like a different cat this time around. And sometimes you see that with players going from their rookie season to their second year when they know what it really takes to succeed in this league. And He's clearly put in work on his speed and his explosiveness. You can see it out there. And Alex Collins had a couple really nice runs today. He continues to impress, made a nice catch out of the backfield as well. So this running back competition, there's a reason that Pete Carroll was gushing about it because you've got Chris Carson back. He looks fantastic. He's 100% healthy, had a different training program this offseason. DJ Dallas looks more explosive. Alex Collins looks more explosive. He's catching the ball well. They got an undrafted rookie, and Josh Johnson didn't get much of a look at him today, but he's a player that has a chance to make some noise too. And, of course, there's Rashad Penny, as we talked about first quarter briefly. And Pete Carroll, despite the fact he's coming off of another knee procedure and didn't do anything this offseason at their OTAs and minicamp, he's down to 225, and Carroll said it's the best that he has looked since they've had him. And so – now the Rashad Penny hype train might be rolling again. I just listed off five running backs there. Again, here's why Travis Homer, you know, he's going to want to get back and he's going to want to rush back. And the Seahawks are going to be saying, we need to be patient here. But you can understand why Homer is itching to get on the field. And there's some urgency there 
with that talent he's got to compete against. You know, one of the things that you just said there, Corvo, with the, the tra- or, or the, the Rashad Penny hype train could get rolling again is, yeah, it, full steam ahead. I mean, w- once that, uh, that, that, that he was able to participate fully today and that the Pete Carroll came out there and said that, that he came in at 225 pounds, the best shape that he's been since he's been there with the Seahawks, you know, I mean, that's the thing that that's, that's magic. The Seahawks here, Seahawks fans ears is they, they've been looking to have this, this, you know, one, a one B everybody knows what a stud Chris Carson is. The, the fact that the Seahawks opted to have Chris Carson come out before Pete Carroll, before all, uh, be, before Carlos Dunlap, before Russell Wilson or Bobby Wagner or anybody else, Tyler Lockett, anybody else who could have come out during the, the, the Seahawks opening of training camp, you know, press conferences, it was Chris Carson. And, and so clearly this is a team that is dedicated to uh, utilizing Chris Carson. And I think the Shane Waldron's offense is going to use that uh, very effectively, but for Pete Carroll to talk about Rashad Penny and just mention 225 pounds in the best shape. And, and we know what a speed threat that he can be. We, we know what a talent that he is. We, we've imagined what a fit he could be in Waldron's offense in the very first day of training camp, just illustrate even more that this could be an offense that is going to put the ball in back's hands on the outside, um, whether as a runner or as a receiver, it could be really exciting. And so, yeah, I, to me, that that's one of the, the, the kind of the hidden stories of train, training camp opening. Everybody is going to focus in on the obvious storylines, but I, I think that Rashad Payne, Marquise Blair, both coming back fully participating, uh, coming off of ACL injuries, I think is one of the stories that should be talked about more. I'm happy that we are mentioning them. One last thing I want to hit real quick before we get to the third quarter. We've talked ad nauseum about Robert Kandice because he impressed throughout OTAs and minicamp. And we'll talk about another player that is getting more and more fans on the hype train. Kemdiche today, just watching the way that he was feasting off of the energy of the crowd and really was reciprocated because he was turning around and he was making gestures. He was shouting things and you could hear the fans. They loved it. And they just got louder each time that he did it. So he just looks like a Seahawk. He's embracing the atmosphere playing hard every single drill snap, if he can continue to do that. He had a tackle for loss today in one of their 11-11 sessions where I don't know that I've ever seen a three-tech get into the backfield quicker than that. Again, I know they're not in pads, but that first step is just ridiculous at 300 pounds. And if he is able to harness that and do that consistently, remain motivated, a lot of ifs here, but – I feel like the Seahawks are trying to sell tickets for this hype train, too. You go to their social media, they were posting video of Robert Kimdiche today. They want fans to get excited about this guy. That was telling to me. I know it's just the Seahawks social media, but they are trying to sell the hype on this guy because we know the talent's there. He's had his issues when he was in Arizona. Injuries, off-field concerns, questions about his work ethic. But this opportunity, he really seems like he is seizing it. we got to see how the next several training camp practices go, if he's able to maintain that momentum. But for now, just like Rashad Penny, it feels like the wheels on that hype train are rolling again. And Kimdiche right now, Carlos Dunlap said it today, he's got a great opportunity to be able to step in and, and really fill the void 
for Jaron Reed leaving as a reserve. He's a guy that could play quite a few snaps in the interior for this football team. Robert Kandiche is a great talent. He is being presented with an incredible opportunity. He also has a head coach who has an incredible track record of getting players like Kandiche who have had uh, struggles elsewhere. Uh, you know, they, they've had success with with Pete Carroll. And, and so I'm really excited about what Robert Kandiche can do. I, I just want to see him sustain it throughout the, the extent of training camp. If he does, He'll make this roster. He, he's that gifted. There, there's no question about it. Um, but at the same time, that that's been one of the concerns about him. And so, I, I think that this defensive line is absolutely loaded. And, and so, a, a guy as talented as Robert Kimdiche, I, I think that uh, that he has a chance to really splash. And so, to me, that is one of the fascinating stories. And they kind of bounce off of that point about you know just Pete Carroll's. Uh, you know, ability to, you know, motivate guys who have struggled in that in the past. I think that it also is important to point out that, you know, they made a point of mentioning that that all of the the Seahawks coaches and 90 of their 91 players uh, are on schedule to be fully vaccinated. And that is absolutely remarkable. And so to me, I I just think that is one other thing that that really, especially after coming off of last year when there was the one of the only, you know, the only team in the league to to not have a, a positive COVID case. I mean, that is, that's protect the team. That's been the mindset from the get go. And so the fact that Pete Carroll is able to do that is able to motivate as well as whoever his team leaders, the players, the other coaches, whoever they are to get this entire organization to kind of buy into that mentality. I mean, my goodness. I mean, vote the man for president. I mean, that, that is, that is a motivating thing that is, that is escaping a lot of others that are getting paid and are in a higher positions of authority than Pete Carroll is. When we return for the third quarter, we're going to continue our position-by-position preview going over to the offensive side of the ball with the tackles in the trenches. Plenty of observation from today's practice to go with that as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Are you looking for a way to boost your workout game? Are you seeking a delicious protein bar without the sugar and carbs? Enter in the Built Bar, 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Some of the best ones, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp, peanut butter, double chocolate. You're going to have a tough time eating just one. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew. It's great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for a keto diet. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang, continuing our position-by-position preview. Can't really say it's a training camp preview now that training camp's actually started, but we're going to continue diving into these positional groups, go to the offensive line with the big and heavies, the tackles. And this is a position group that's really fascinating, Rob, because you've got some seasoned veterans. you got a couple of young players they're really excited about including sixth-round pick Stone Forsythe. And they got some players that have been there for a few years, like Jamarco Jones, who are now entering the final year of their respective contract. And so there's a number of different types of players here in a position group that I think they got much deeper based on how they handle the offseason. 
Talking key questions here, I think the first one, when we consider what Pete Carroll said today, and this is not the first time that Carroll has hinted at this during a press conference this offseason, the big first question for me with these tackles, is there really a competition at right tackle? Because I, I think you and I, we were willing to say that maybe Cedric Abwehi is going to have an opportunity to get some first-team reps. But really up to this point, we thought this has to be Brandon Shell's job. He played really well most of the season before he had an ankle injury, and that's what hindered his performance in the playoffs. When healthy, he played well. But Carroll just keep, he just keeps bringing up Abwehi unprompted, and that to me is significant, and it tells me we've got a competition on our hands here at that right tackle spot. Well, I think that the, the last game of the season, of course, was when the Seahawks lost to the Rams and uh, and Brandon Shell had one of his poor, most, uh, you know, he struggled in the, in that game. And so because of that fact, I think that, uh, that Pete Carroll is very much going to try to remind him um, and, and everybody else is going to remind him. The game, the, the, the film reminds him that, uh, that he needs to be better than that. And the boy was playing at such a high level before. So I, I do think that that is a legitimate competition. I think that Shell is the favorite, but uh, I think that that Abway absolutely has an opportunity at that. And then with Dwayne Brown, um, you know, being in camp but not participating, Jamarco Jones getting his opportunity. You mentioned that he's final year of his rookie deal. He's going to get an extended opportunity to go up against that defensive end group that we were just kind of lauding here in the second quarter. Um, and so he's going to get an opportunity to kind of sh- show what he can do. So to me, this is going to be a fascinating camp at, at, at the both the ta- at the tackle positions because you know what you already have with Dwayne Brown. And, and by the way, he, he looks terrific. I mean, my goodness. I was talking, kind of talking before about the guys you won't walk off the bus. Dwayne Brown, even at his age, I mean, he just looks like a just a, a you know a, a killer out there. I mean, he just looks unbelievable. Just his his uh, just his shape and you know uh, and just how well he moves. So um, I really think that this is actually it's a position of concern. It has been for a long time while Russell Wilson has been the quarterback, uh, just pass protection in general. But the offensive tackle class, I think, uh, offensive tackle group, excuse me, I think it looks pretty good for the Seahawks, and I'm excited about the fact. That the Brent the Brown is kind of sitting out a little bit of time and and giving Jones as well as Stone Forsyth a little bit of opportunity to see what they can do. And that leads perfectly into the second key question here because you and I are both pretty excited about Stone Stone Forsyth and what this kid can do. And and I know another former Seahawk that was covering training camp today. I did not have a chance to hear this because I was at the field and wasn't listening to a live stream, but Another former Seahawk has pretty high hopes for Stone Forsythe as well. Him going against Jamarco Jones. Jones was getting the reps with the first team with Dwayne Brown, not practicing today. But this seems like this is going to be a back-and-forth affair, that Stone Forsythe can have that opportunity to win that backup left tackle job behind Dwayne Brown, and maybe eventually he can be that heir apparent that this team is eventually going to have to have because Dwayne Brown isn't going to be able to play forever. No, he's not going to be able to play forever. But like as I mentioned just a moment ago, I mean, he looks like he's in terrific shape. And, and I, I thought that was one of the, the fascinating kind of things uh, about the press conference is the way that Pete Carroll kind of brushed off the conversation about Dwayne Brown and his, uh, you know, his contract and, uh, you know, in his uh, availability for practice. But again, when, when you have a veteran 
like Dwayne Brown, similar to what, what the Seahawks saw with, with Walter Jones. And I don't want to compare anybody to Walter Jones, but Dwayne Brown is a terrific player in his own right. And, I mean, he just looks in, in such terrific shape. He, he is in, in and understands what he has to do to be ready. I, I just think that this is going to wind up becoming a, a, a non-story and perhaps even a, a contract extension, although I think that uh, clearly Seattle's top priority, as Pete Carroll mentioned in his press conference, is Jamal Adams. Yeah, Adams is number one, and I think Dwayne Brown comes in at number two. And and figuring out who that backup's going to be behind him is definitely important because we have to remember two years ago Dwayne Brown was dealing with some knee issues. He had a bicep injury. He's an older player. He has been much better. He's He was much better last year, played in all 16 games, stayed healthy. They've limited his practice workload. I expect that to be the way, as today's show, that's going to be the way that things are going to be moving forward. But having a stable backup left tackle is going to be critical. And I think Forsyth versus Jones, that is going to be one of those backup battles in the preseason that's going to be worth watching because Jones in the last year of his deal, it's kind of make or break time for him. He needs to have the best training camp of preseason that he's ever had. And Stone Forsyth, hey, now's your time. Make a strong first impression. Get your line coach, Mike Solari, on your side. If he embraces what he learns from Dwayne Brown, then he's got an opportunity to be able to win that second job and maybe even be a swing guy for them because of his athleticism. So I am definitely excited to watch those two going against each other. And that leads to the last key question here. Can the Seahawks count on Brown and Shell to stay healthy over the course of a 17-game regular season? We mentioned Dwayne Brown's injuries a few years ago. He's generally been pretty durable during his time in the NFL. You can't necessarily say the same thing for Brandon Shell, though. We saw the ankle injury at the end of last year. He's had a couple other fairly significant injuries earlier in his career with the Jets. So he's got to prove that he can stay healthy. And again, that's why Cedric Abwehi might be getting that opportunity to be able to compete for that right tackle job. Yeah, absolutely. I think also Abwehi's ability to play both sides, um, you know, dating back to college, I, I think that it kind of aids him in, in that regard and it helps the Seahawks with, uh, you know, just uh, w- with both tackles having the, the injury concerns and especially in Brown's case, the, the the age that he has. I think that Jamarco Jones in that regard also is kind of exciting. I mean, he, his ability to play multiple positions. And again, uh, you know, he is going to get quite the opportunity here to to be evaluated. And I thought that was interesting how you kind of described it, Corbin, as far as that Jones has to be as good in this train camp as he's ever been. You know, when he came into the league as a rookie, uh, you know, and before he got injured, he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I just couldn't believe watching him uh, charting his, uh, you know, charting his performance of the first couple of games uh, while he was with the Seahawks at that left tackle position. He was spectacular. Right? And that is why I believe the Seahawks have kept him at that left tackle position kind of stubbornly because his body suggests you should move him over to guard. But he played so damn well at that tackle position that, that that rookie season before he went down with the injury. That that's why they have him there, and that's the biggest thing is that if he matches that, then I think the Stone Forsyth is really going to have a hard time uh, jumping over him, especially considering that that Jones is in the final year of his deal. I mean, Jones is going to be super motivated. Forsyth with his height, his length. Uh, as they were mentioning on the Seahawks broadcast, which I thought was very well done today, 
by the way. But uh, they they mentioned that uh, the, the Forsyth in over 500 plus uh, snaps, you know, only surrendered two sacks. Uh, at the SEC level, so I mean, they're, they're just absolutely remarkable. And so, you know, I, I really think that when you when you see Forsyth, and you see his height, you see that his length, the the way that you expect that uh, you know the Russell Wilson going to be getting the ball out of his hands that much quicker. I, I think that the game is is gearing more towards tackles that have Forsyth's height, and so that is going to make him that much better in the long runs. But I, I really think that 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 left tackle position back up behind Dwayne Brown is going to be a fascinating battle to watch throughout training camp and an underrated one at that. Let's get to our bold predictions real quick. Coming off that last question about. Whether or not Brown and Shell can stay healthy over the course of a 17-game season, I think there will be some fans that are going to be upset with this bold prediction from me. But before the conclusion of this 2021 season, I believe Forsyth or Abwehi will have started at least four games this year. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, especially with that extra game added to the schedule, one or both of Seattle's tackles at some point is going to miss some time. And this could simply be a way he beating out Shell at the right tackles. But I, th- I still think it's Brandon Shell's position. But I can't overlook the fact that Pete Carroll has brought this up on multiple occasions when he hasn't been asked about it. That, to me, stands out. So you can't rule out that maybe a way he can get those starts because he is the starting right tackle. But I just have a feeling that one or both of those guys, and, and I was willing to throw Forsyth in here because I think he's a player that they are very excited about, and maybe he's the one to end up going to as their backup left tackle when this is all said and done. I just have a feeling that one or both of those players are going to get several starts this year at some point. I think that's a really good prediction. Um, I'm going to make two, but they're going to be simpler. They're going to involve number 76, Dwayne Brown. I think that he is going to be involved in the least amount of uh, training camp practices of, of any Seahawks starter. However, I also think he's also going to be a pro bowler at the end of this season. I, I really think that Dwayne Brown is going to be set up to have a spectacular season in Shane Waldron's offense. And so uh, to me, that that would be my bold prediction of this tackles. I, I think that it's a really interesting point. And the fact that there is an extra game this season and there is an increase, in my opinion, increase in talent of the pass rushers in the division and in the Seahawks schedule this year, Corbin, that I, I think that, it, that, uh, that there is a good possibility that there's going to be some reserve, uh, especially the tackle position, who is going to play a critical role in the Seahawks uh, you know, season in, in 2021. Make sure to check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. He gives you all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast in the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Coming up on our Thursday show, I'm going to be riding solo, and I'll be sharing my observations from the Seahawks' second training camp practice at the VMAC. As always, thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks!